Christmas time when there's a Christmas carol. Right? Right. So for all of the men in the house, Christmas is on Sunday, FYI. Just letting you know, just letting you know, I think you can still buy online. You can still get it there. So you're going to get on the stick, guys. Get on the stick. Get it done. Right? How many of you guys are excited for Christmas, though? It's next Sunday. 
Can you believe that? Where has the year gone? I don't know what it is. I remember my grandparents going, yeah, time flies. And I was just a young guy going, no, it's awesome. It's like I got all kinds of time. And now, now I'm in my 50s and I'm like, wow, where did time go? Where did it go? How, how did, I got to start shopping for Christmas like in February um, or I'll miss it. So I just got to get on it. Yeah, so uh, guys, look, if you like singing Christmas carols, please be here for uh, our Christmas Eve service. Which, by the way, would you just do something for me? What's your favorite Christmas song? I want you to think about it for a second. I'm going to have you yell it out in just a second, okay? So on three, yell out your favorite Christmas song. Ready? One, two, three. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Um, No, we're not doing Rudolph at Christmas Eve. I apologize. Mary, did you know? Awesome. Um, we're not doing that one either. But did you, who, who, said, who said Silent Night? Any Silent Night people? Come on. Silent Night. Oh, it sounds so good, right? <clears throat> I mean, when you sing it, not when I sing it. Um, no candles, though. Apologize. No candles. Uh, we don't want to burn the church down. Um, we're going to sing more Christmas songs on Christmas Eve. You're going to want to be here for that. It's going to be a great time. Kids are going to be in the service. Uh, we've got a special kids thing that's going to happen on the stage. I got a message that I have written. It's, it's super unique that, that fits the, the, the Christmas story. Uh, it's a one-off. I've never preached this before. I never really, caught, really had this thought of Christmas before. And so I put that message together. I'm just entitling it The Power of the Star. And uh, I'd love to have you come out. Um, this is going to be our weekend worship. And, and we're not going to have services at any of our campuses on Sunday morning. So if you do show up by accident, you'll be in the parking lot alone. Um, and that will be a little awkward. But what I, am, what I am asking is, I'm asking for a favor this Christmas. Okay? Um, here's my favor I'm asking from you. W- would you please invite me and our staff into your home? For a 30-minute moment of time where I want to model something for you that was modeled for me from my, my grandparents to my parents, and my kids had it modeled for them. And that was this, that on Christmas Day, before we ate anything, we opened any gifts, any festive celebrations took place, my father would open up God's Word, and he would read to us the Christmas story and explain it to us and help us understand that Jesus is the greatest gift that we could ever receive. And then we would pray together, and then the festivities continued on. And we made Christ the centerpiece <clears throat> of Christmas. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's how I grew up. I know that many of you, you didn't grow up that way. And this Christmas, since Christmas is on a Sunday, we have pre-recorded uh, this, this special day. Guys, I'm telling you, it took days and days and hours and hours to put this thing together. It's 30 minutes long. Please invite me into your home. Uh, it's only going to be, you know, for a few moments, but I'm going to model something for you that then the other years you can do yourself. That's what I want to do. It's kind of a, it's a worship moment together, but a discipleship moment where you can, you can see a better idea of maybe one idea of how you can bring Christ into your home every single Christmas morning. Okay? All right? Are you with me on that? So find some time every hour on the hour. Um, you just do it one time as a family, and then you'll have an opportunity to pray together and then go on about your day and have a wonderful day. But stop somewhere on Christmas Day and join us at MindYourLifeChurch.com. Are you with me? Okay, good. So let's get to O Holy Night. Does anybody know when O Holy Night was written, by the way? If you did, it would surprise me. 1847. 1847, this song is written. But do you know why it was written? Because this is fascinating. The, the, the song O Holy Night 
was commissioned by a pastor who had a church that they just got a brand new organ. You know, like an organ, you know? Play it, the whole thing. So they just got this brand new organ, and the pastor wanted it to be a really special Sunday when they commissioned the organ. So he asked this poet in France, would you please write a poem that we could put to a song that we could use to celebrate this brand new organ that we just got in the church? So this man starts writing, and he's writing out of Luke chapter 2 is what his text he chose to use to kind of like pin O Holy Night. He gets it written, and then he turns to one of his friends, and he has his friend turn it into a song. And then a couple of weeks later, it's Christmas Eve, and on a midnight mass, they debut the song O Holy Night, to which the people loved it, and they thought it was amazing, and the song started spreading like a wildfire. There was just a couple of problems with the whole thing. The problem number one, the poet who actually wrote O Holy Night was not even a believer. And at some points in history, it even claimed that maybe he was even atheistic in his belief. But he was asked, nevertheless, to do this, and he went to God's word, and he wrote the song. The man who took, wrote the words, the man who took the words and turned it into a song was a Jewish man who didn't believe that Jesus had already come, that Jesus was God's son, or that Jesus was the savior of the world. So here's what's interesting. This song that just a couple of years ago was the number one Christmas song in the world voted, right, was written by an atheist and put the music by a man who doesn't believe that Jesus is the Lord or the savior. I just want you to know this song is a song of hope. Right? Because if you have any friends, any friends that are atheistic or agnostic in their belief, or they have drifted from the faith, they have walked away from God, I just want you to know, God chases people down with his word. It doesn't matter what you think about him, it's what he thinks about you. That's the song. This is a song of hope. Would you just turn to somebody and just tell them a song of hope? All right? This is a song of hope. And as we sing it, after my message today, we'll be joining with generations and people over the last 170 years that have been proclaiming hope of our dear Savior's birth. Hope. I think hope is something that our world needs today. I think hope's been something that humanity's needed for a long time. It's something that we actually we constantly search for. But, but if you've got your pulse on our culture, in our country, and around the world right now, I think that you would have to say hope is something that people are starving for right now. The hope, as an example, that the hope that today will be a peaceful day and not another day where I get bad news, right? Hope that sickness will hold off maybe for one more day, or hope that tomorrow will be better than today, or hope that the future will be better for our children, or hope that our paycheck will stretch its way all the way to the end of the month, or maybe for you it's just the hope that God will answer your prayers. But either way, hope is what people are looking for. That's the theme of O Holy Night. See, during Christmas playlist, the whole series of playlists, what we do is we use a song to be a magnifying glass into God's word. We don't preach the song, but we let the song lead us to God's word to understand what does God's word have to say? And as we're singing, we are literally singing God's word. And I want you to know today that when you sing O Holy Night, you're singing a song of hope. See, 2,000 years ago, actually over 2,000 years ago, there was a man named Simeon who would show up to the temple in Jerusalem all the time. 
and he would go there all the time, and he would worship, and he would be there all the time, and uh, magnifying God, glorifying God, right, ministering to others. And Simeon was a man who was getting much older in his age, and he was holding on to a piece of hope. This piece of hope he was holding on to was this message that God had spoke to his heart that, Simeon, you're not going to die, okay? You're not going to die until you see the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Until you see him, Simeon, you're going to be alive. And Simeon was holding on to that kind of hope. It talks about him in Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 32. Here's what it says. That at that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel, to bring hope to Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him, that's important, um, and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah, the Savior of the world. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. How cool is that? How cool is it, guys? How good does it feel when you know you're being led by the Spirit? It's a good, it's a good moment. He knew that day something leapt inside of him. Something moved inside of his heart, and he was like, I've got to get to the temple. I recognize the Holy Spirit's telling me to get there. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus right, to the Lord as the law required, what did Simeon do? Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms, and he praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace, as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. I mean, listen to the hope that is inside of the heart of Simeon. He was eagerly waiting for Jesus to come and rescue his nation and the world, by the way. He woke up every single day thinking to himself, I'm getting really old. It's getting harder to get out of bed every single day. How many people know what I'm talking about? All right. All right, don't raise your hand. It might hurt. Okay. I can't raise this one, so that's why I'm with you, okay? Um, But he was waking up every single day thinking to himself, is today the day? Is today the day, man, where my my hope gets fulfilled, where I, I see the Savior of the world? And when he did, he held Jesus and he declared to the world that Jesus, this baby, is the light of God to the nations. How cool is that, right? Hope was sustaining Simeon. Hope was sustaining him through his very long journey until he finally said, now let your servant die in peace. You know, look, I've met some people that are really old in age, and they've told me with their own words, they've said to me, Jeff, it's not really going to be a bad day when I wake up and I wake up in heaven. It's not going to be a bad day. In fact, every once in a while I wake up and I go, what? I'm still here? You know? Like at some point in our life we get to that. You hear Simeon saying that. He's at this place where he's like, okay, all right. I don't need to wake up another day, God. Like, I'm fulfilled. Hope, the hope that he had in Christ, when he found Christ, he was fulfilled. It was like, it is finished. Guys, I just want you to know there's something in your life that when you truly find Jesus, this searching, this need to to discover something else to fulfill your life, it comes to a screeching halt. If you ever find yourself searching for significance in some place other than Christ, you've drifted off of center when it comes to your relationship with Christ. If we're continuing to try to substitute our happiness, our joy, our peace with something other than Christ, we've drifted off of center. Because when you truly find Jesus, hope gets fulfilled 
and it is finished. Now, it's not like my life is done. It's not like I'm done living, but that void in the center of my life that was meant to only be filled by Christ, it gets filled. That's what Simeon is discovering here in his old age of life. Hope is what this song, O Holy Night, then really is all about. As we sing things like this, of our dear Savior's birth. When you sing words like, of our dear Savior's birth, right? That's hope right there, right there in a nutshell. But there was another woman that was at the temple that day that Jesus came to be kind of offered to the Lord, dedicated to the Lord. She was a prophet. Her name was Anna. The Bible doesn't tell us a lot about her, but in a couple of verses, it gives us a decent picture of her life. First, it tells us she's a prophet. So God has used her as a vocal piece. He spoke through her multiple times to where people identify her as a voice piece of the Lord. She had been married for seven years, but then widowed for 84 years. Now, when the theologians look at this, and they talk about, like, well, when in culture would that woman have been married, and then they add seven years to that, and then they add another 84 years on top of that, really a lot of theologians believe that Anna, this prophet, uh, was about 100, 101, or 102 years old. And the Bible tells us that she never left the temple, that she was praying and she was fasting both day and night. So you would show up there on a Tuesday, you would see Anna. You would come back on a Thursday night, she's there. You show back up on a Sunday morning, guess who's there? Three years from now, you showed up, she's still there. You moved away for a job, you came back to visit, you go to the temple, Anna's still there. A devout woman, a woman who had put her faith and her hope in Jesus Christ, right? I mean, at that time, she didn't know Jesus, but you get what I'm saying, right? She walked, she walked by while Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and one of them was holding Jesus. And what does she do? She recognizes instantly, this is no ordinary baby. He's the Savior of the world. And what does the Bible say about her? She starts praising God. She starts praising God like the shepherds who heard from the angels and they walk into Bethlehem and they kneel down next to the manger and they start worshiping and praising God. See, hope was overflowing out of this prophet's heart. This woman who was devout to the Lord, dedicated her life to the Lord where she had so many things to complain about but yet she sought after the Lord. Hope, hope was flowing out of her as she started to proclaim to all of those that were around them that Jesus has come to rescue us, the hope of the world. And this is what happens when you sing O Holy Night and you start to sing words like this, that Jesus appeared and the soul felt its worth. Let me tell you right now, there's no other way for you to truly experience the worth that God gave you than through Christ. You can't find that worth anywhere else. You can't have enough money to buy that worth. Right? You can't spend enough days a day's dedicating your life to whatever cause, you can't, you can't do it. Only Christ can help you discover the true hope that God gave you, the, the, the fact that your soul, your life, it has worth. Anna felt it as she was walking by. She's walking by. How many times has she walked that particular place if she's been there for 84 years of her life? I mean, how many times has she walked that same place? How many times has she seen Simeon? How many times have other parents brought their firstborn son to the temple because it was, that, it was Jewish tradition to bring a firstborn son to the temple to have that son dedicated to the Lord? How many times had she seen that before? Hundreds? Thousands? Yes, thousands. 
But this time it was different. Because as she was walking by, all of a sudden her soul felt worth. And she recognized this is no ordinary baby. He is, he is the hope of the world. See, look, church, when your soul starts to feel worth because Christ is at the center, what is that called? Hope. When you, when you finally start to discover that your life isn't meant just for what you're doing, running around Monday through Friday, trying to get business done and trying to get life done and you know, racing people all over the place and all of the agendas and the meetings and things after thing after thing after thing. When it all ceases for a moment, you find out that your worth really is found in Christ. And when that happens, guess what soars in your heart? Hope. Why? Because hope is a powerful force. It's a life-changing force. In O Holy Night, it reminds us of the power of hope. Hope causes us to look toward tomorrow as a, remember these words, a new and glorious morn. That's what hope does. Hope causes us to go, hey, today, today might be a dark day, but tomorrow it's going to be bright. Why? Because I put my hope and my faith in Christ. Today I might be in the middle of a storm and it feels like the whole world is swirling around me and it's completely out of control, but I feel calm in the midst of the storm. Why? Because Christ is in the boat with me. Christ is in my heart with me. He's the one who's given me worth. He's the one who is directing me. It's Christ at the center. See, this, this is what Jesus said about himself and he said it about you and me as well. In John 16, 33, he goes, look, here on earth you will have <clears throat> many trials and sorrows. You're going to face difficult times. But he says, take heart. Or can I insert a different word? Have hope. Why? Because Jesus says this about himself. I have already overcome the world. Your soul has worth because he overcame the world. Your soul has worth in the midst of your trials, in the midst of your challenges, in the midst of your storms. Why? Because Christ is at the center. And when Christ is at the center, you have hope. When Jesus is at the center of your life, then you start to feel these words from the song. The thrill of hope. What? The thrill of hope which causes our weary world to rejoice. Can I just stop for a second and just ask you the, the question that is begged to be asked? When was the last time you felt the thrill of hope? Like, when was the last time where there was this, like, you were facing some opposition, but the thrill of hope came up on the inside. When was the last time you were standing there? It was like this gigantic wall between you and victory, you and freedom, but yet this thrill of hope came up with inside of you. Like when was that last time when all of a sudden you just went, man, I don't know what's going on right now, but I know my God's bigger. I don't know what we're facing right now, but I know my God's going to see us through. The thrill of hope that causes a weary world to rejoice. It's okay to feel weary at times. It's going to happen. But in our weariness, what are you doing with it? Right? A lot of times people take their weariness and they don't turn it into a thrill of hope. They take their weariness and they turn it into a downer for everyone around them. You know those people. Right? That's what we tend to do in our humanity. But in our Christ-centeredness, the weariness that we have can turn into rejoicing when once again you let your heart overflow with the thrill of hope, which is found in who? Christ. See, when Christ is anchored at the center of our lives, that's when chaos ceases. But when Christ drifts out of the center of our life, then chaos 
happens all around us, and it's very destructive. I would equate it to the, the power of gravity with our sun at the center of our solar system. With the sun's gravity at the center of our solar system, it holds all the planets, including, by the way, when I went to school, Pluto. Come on, somebody. Thank you. Thank you. I was just waiting for that moment, all right? It holds all of the planets in perfect orbit. Now, look, if you remove the sun, you remove us, okay? But just for a second, just for my illustration, the sun's gone, you and me don't exist, and these rocks are floating around. What are they going to do? They're going to be attracted to each other until they run into each other. All chaos ensues inside of our solar system, and all planets just become little crumbles of rock drifting all over the place. That's what happens when Christ isn't the center of our life. But when Christ is the center of our life, things that would otherwise be in chaos, they come into order. Do you need more order in your life? Right? You're looking for more order? You're looking for some of the chaos to go down and order to go up? If you are, I would just encourage you this. Let the thrill of hope bring Christ back to the center of your life. All right? Then, then you'll do what the song says. Then you'll fall on your knees in worship of our Savior. You'll want to. You won't, you won't be able to control yourself. You'll, you'll have to because you'll recognize you're falling on your knees to the one who holds it all in order. And can I just say this, that we all could use a healthy dose of falling on our knees in humbled worship to our Savior. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11 tells us that God, God did this. God elevated him, being Christ, to the place of highest honor, and he gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. Can I just say this to you in our time of worship that we're going to have at all of our campuses, and even for you that are watching online right now? That no matter where you are, just stop what you're doing when we go to sing this song, O Holy Night. Find a place to kneel before the Lord. If you're physically able to do that, come to the altars. The altars are for the hungry. We kneel before the Lord and we seek him. Go to the back of an auditorium. Just step out into an aisle. Just practice physically kneeling before the Lord as you're bowing your heart before him. And just watch the hope, the thrill of hope that starts rising within you. We need to do this on a regular basis. Why? Because hope is like a muscle, guys, that has to be built up. It might be a little painful at first. It might be a little discomforting to you. It might be like in the sense of like, you know, like, I don't normally do this. What are people going to think about me? I don't normally do this. What, what's going to happen, right? And as you, get, as you get older, sometimes we get down where it's like, I don't even, can I get back up? <laughs> are you with me? All right? And so, like, but we need to do this because it's like a muscle. And how do you build the muscle of hope? You build the muscle of hope by holding on to faith even when, it, even when you want to give up. It's like at the moment when you want to give up, hold on to faith. What happens? The muscle of hope starts to be built. And as your pastor, I want to see, I want to see you become strong in hope. In fact, I don't want you to see you just become strong. I want to see you grow into full maturity with where, where hope, the hope of Christ, is at the center of your life. That's what I want to see for you. See, because when hope has grown to maturity within your heart, then no matter what you face, no matter what comes your way, 
no matter what strife, trial, or difficulty comes your way, you will sing these next words with a devoted heart. Christ is the Lord. Oh, praise his name forever. Doesn't matter what you're facing, right? Because the thrill of hope has captured your heart. His power and glory evermore proclaim, O night divine, O night when Christ was born. See, church, when hope has filled your heart, you too will start to look on that night when Christ was born as the most divine night that has ever eclipsed the history of man. So let's be reminded today what the angel told the shepherds in Luke chapter 2, verses 10 through 11. The angel said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. If you walk out of this auditorium today and you don't experience joy, it's, it was your choice. Jesus has come to bring good news and to bring great joy. It doesn't mean that your life circumstances change. It's the thrill of hope that brings joy right here. Why? The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, he's been born today in Bethlehem. So church, what do you need today? I mean, sincerely, like, what do you need? I want to I invite you to come to Jesus and worship, just like the shepherd did, and express your need to the Lord. Did you know that he, he wants to hear it? He came to be our Savior. Now, he didn't come to be our little genie in a bottle. Just because you have a need doesn't mean you get to rub his little bottle and he pops out and he grants you your three little wishes. That's not who God is. Some people think God's the genie in the bottle. That's not who he is. But when your needs align with his will for your life, great things happen. And there are times when God's just waiting for you to express his will for you. And it's called your need. What are you lacking today? What are you missing in your life? Are you missing the thrill of hope? That I would encourage you to fall on your knees in worship and ask him to once again, saturate your heart with hope. Are you, missing, are you missing peace this Christmas? Are you missing joy this Christmas? Are you missing that intimacy with Christ this Christmas? Are you missing the power of the Holy Spirit that came and told Simeon, today's going to be a special day, you better get over to that temple. What, what are you lacking today? Because whatever you're lacking today, come and fall on your knees before the Savior, Christ the Lord, and let him saturate your heart with his presence. Declare your devotion to Christ by praising his name as we worship. That's what Simeon did. That's what Anna did. When they took that baby, or when they walked by and they saw that baby, or the shepherds, they couldn't help but praise his name. Church, we stand here the Sunday before the birth of Christ. I'm telling you, it's like the angels in the sky are going, look, I'm telling you, a week from now is the birth of Christ. So what should we do today? We should praise his name. Let your heart once again feel the thrill of hope as we turn our eyes towards Christ and we declare Christ is the Lord. Amen? Christ is the Lord. Would you just say that with me? Christ is the Lord. Stand with me. Let's pray. Lord, we praise your name. We praise your name today. We praise your name forever. Lord, we choose to say that Christ is the Lord today. We choose to say that, Lord, you are our Savior. You're our Master. You are our Redeemer. You have delivered us. You have set us free. 
that, Lord, you are our victor. You're the one who comes through in our times of trouble. You are the, ones that, you're the one that fills our heart with joy and peace. Now, Lord, would you allow our hearts to erupt with the thrill of hope this morning as we turn our eyes to you. We turn our eyes to you, Jesus, the Savior of the world. So, Lord, we love you. We ask you to continue to lead and guide this service and show up in our lives and speak to us in a powerful way. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.